good Monday morning. Make that Tuesday morning. <laughs> Forgot about my long weekend, didn't I, Deb? Yes, you did, bud man. <laughs> oh, boy. I got to get back on the program, back on the calendar. It's but... all right, though. You're It's Tuesday morning. You're not starting it off with another Monday. There you go. And welcome one and all at 6 o'clock. Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right off the top for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning a golf system is a rainmaker for Florida. And Benjamin Netanyahu thanks Governor Rick Scott. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Yeah, we're going to have a live report later in this hour for you on that tropical soup from one of our top flight AccuWeather meteorologists. But first up, the embassy moves to Jerusalem. Another Trump promise kept on Good Morning Orlando. And good Tuesday morning at 6.02 on News Radio 1025. The National Hurricane Center continues to watch a system in the eastern Gulf of Mexico that's been producing showers and thunderstorms across much of Florida. AccuWeather meteorologist Evan Duffy discusses what's bringing the monsoon rains. Yeah, the system itself is actually uh, upper level low over the eastern Gulf, but some wind shear is pushing most of the convection and rain over towards uh, the peninsula, and so certainly looking very wet here uh, through at least uh, the middle of the week, probably some lingering shower thunderstorm activity through the end of the week. They're monitoring for subtropical or tropical development as the system moves slowly northward. However, it's being given just a 30% chance of becoming a named storm. By the way, the first name of the 2018 Atlantic hurricane season is Alberto. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A tornado is being blamed for some damage in Brevard County. A water spout off Merritt Island moved onshore yesterday morning, developed into a tornado, and hit the River Palms Mobile Home Park. One home on Banana River Drive was damaged, but thankfully no injuries were reported. The National Weather Service has not graded the strength of the tornado, but Channel 9 reports it was likely an EF0. Florida Governor Rick Scott got a shout-out from the leader of Israel. Senators and members of Congress and the governor of Florida. We have no better friends in the world. You stand for Israel and you stand for Jerusalem. Thank you. Scott was on hand for yesterday's opening of the new U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem. During his remarks, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu thanked U.S. Senators, members of Congress, and again the governor of Florida, saying Israel has no better friends in the world. Scott had proclaimed Monday Florida's celebration of Israel's 70th Independence Day and recognition of the close relationship between Israel and Florida. It's interesting. Uh, Bill Nelson, of course, he's running against Scott for his Senate seat. Uh, he he kind of gave uh, Scott some flack for being over there while the tropics are starting to cook here, we'll get into it later in this hour. Well, in the meantime, Bud, speaking of our uh, senators, Florida's two senators are also applauding the opening of the new U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem. Marco Rubio released a video in which he said today is, quote, truly a historic day for America's unbreakable alliance with the state of Israel, end quote. The Republican Rubio also praised the Trump administration for relocating the embassy from Tel Aviv after previous presidents in both parties put off the move. Democrat Bill Nelson took to Twitter to praise the move as well, but added, quote, the hard work of helping bring about a secure and lasting peace between Israelis and Palestinians must go on, end quote. In other news and local news, George Zimmerman can claim victory in a complaint made by a private investigator. A judge in Seminole County yesterday refused to grant Den, uh, Dennis Warren's request for a restraining order against Zimmerman. Warren contacted Zimmerman last year to see if he was interested in being interviewed for a documentary on Trayvon Martin. And Warren claims Zimmerman repeatedly called and texted him with threats. 
Zimmerman is still facing a stalking charge, though, and he's due back in court in about two weeks. And finally, sticking around in Seminole County, I kid you not, Seminole County residents will soon have a new way to pay their tax bills, and it's a decidedly modern way. Tax collector Joel Greenberg announced yesterday his office will accept Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash starting this summer. He says this will make the county the first U.S. government agency in the entire uh, country to accept cryptocurrency. Unlike uh, credit and debit cards, which can still be used, Greenberg says Bitcoin allows the county to avoid paying high third-party processing fees. The only thing I really know about Bitcoin is the value of it fluctuates wildly. Oh, yeah. I mean, like nothing else we have seen out there. I just I just wonder what happens, you know, if you, you, know, you go to pay for it when it's worth a certain amount and then you show up at the window and that stuff isn't worth anything. Exactly. It'd be very interesting to see how that's going to work in Seminole. It's, it, it's interesting that we would be the first in the country that yeah. would even attempt to try it. Kind of groundbreaking stuff. It really is. WFLA News Time at 6.06, and you can read about First Lady Melania Trump undergoing kidney surgery at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. You know, Deb, I've been doing some reading on that uh, condition that uh, Melania Trump reportedly has, and the one thing that that gives me concern that we don't know all there is to know. I know there's medical privacy, but she is the first lady. Is Everything I read, a procedure like this for this benign growth, and they zap it to cut off the blood supply and it kills the tumor in the kidney, you're in one day, you're out the next. You're yes. not in the entire week. And I'm, I am concerned that, there, that there's another piece to this puzzle, you know, and we hope and pray there is not. And that's what I had taken away from the news last night as well. It was like, if it's that simple of a procedure, why does she have to stay in the hospital for the entire week? That, like you said, Bud, it, it points to something else. We'll watch for it closely. Yaffe's our producer. Steph is screening. We're diving right in. It's good to be back with you. Good morning, Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Right off the top, I want you to stay tuned for your shot at winning your share of 880000 bucks in cold cash in our ongoing Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest, just listen for the new keyword of the hour in seconds. Then text that word to 200-200. You could be our next $1,000 winner. I have an update for you on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic as well in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFL. It was nice being home yesterday, grabbing a long weekend. I had an opportunity to just sit back and leisurely watch all of the coverage from Israel of the United States moving our embassy from Tel Aviv to the capital of Israel, which long, long has been Jerusalem. This has been standing U.S. law since 1995. President Trump did what Presidents Bill Clinton, Bush 43, and Barack Obama all promised to do when they were campaigning but didn't have the guts to do, fearing they'd upset the Palestinians and the peace process. What peace process? Give me a break on that. But right now, let's listen to a little bit of a montage we have for you, uh, representing the president, his daughter, Ivanka Trump, followed by the prime minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, followed by Ivanka's husband, Jared Kushner, an Orthodox Jew, of course, and then the president, who was heard and seen by video. Here we go. 
We welcome you officially and for the first time to the Embassy of the United States. Thank you, President Trump, for having the courage to keep your promises. We stand together because we believe democracy is worth defending. The United States will always be a great friend of Israel and a partner in the cause of freedom and peace. It was great that Governor Rick Scott was over there, too, although his opponent, as I mentioned to Deb, Bill Nelson, in the upcoming Senate race, um, it gave him some, some heat. I thought it was pretty petty, to be honest with you. That's coming up in our next half hour. Something needs to be said on that score. Of course, there was violence. There has been for about six weeks, all ginned up by Hamas along the Gaza Strip border uh, with the rest of Israel, and 58 Palestinians have been killed. Killed a lot of them by the Israelis who warned them all to stay away from the border. They had an enormous riot going on in response to yesterday's ceremonies on the 70th anniversary of the creation of the modern state of Israel. This kind of thing has been going on at one level or another for the last six weeks, okay? But this was the worst yesterday since an all-out war with Hamas in that area back in 2014. Latest count I have is 58 people are dead. Thousands have been wounded. But the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, Hamas was perfectly willing to sacrifice its own people. They had the warnings from Israel, the Israeli Defense Force. Leaflets were dropped. Don't go near the border. Don't assault the border. They go near the border. They assault the border. The Israeli says we're not going to allow that. They know what real border security is in Israel, by God, and they enforced the border. There were people there who were trying to crash through the fence. And God knows what would have happened there because there are Israeli villages not far away, and the Israelis were not going to tolerate it. Okay? We got catch and release. They got shoot them between the eyes. And I'm sorry, Hamas is responsible for all the deaths of the Palestinians, in my view, because they knew exactly what was going to happen if they tried what they tried. Yaffe, I'm glad the president had the courage to do what his three predecessors did not. And if you think that this now means, oh, no peace process in the U.S. can't possibly be an honest broker between the Israelis and the Palestinians, the Palestinians don't want peace. They want the destruction of Israel. There can't be a peace process this way. And the idea that, well, we can't move the capital because it'll destroy the peace process. What peace process? Now that's off the table, and maybe we can get the Palestinians' attention to do what needs to be done over there to settle this thing down. Yeah, that was my thoughts exactly. I've heard the words peace process in Israel my entire life. It's not an exaggeration. My entire life I've heard about this so-called peace process. You have. That has never happened, and it's not going to happen. We might as well recognize reality, which is that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Another Trump promise kept as we hop off the Trump train here. We're going to get into this, um, this drama in the White House, you know, about the aide who said of McCain, well, his vote doesn't matter anyway because he's dying anyway, et cetera. Insensitive, no question about it. Um, I do think the mainstream media is running hard with this because they got so many Trump successes all around them. They got to grab on to whatever they can. Um, it's been dealt with internally 
A few thoughts on that here in a moment. The White House is leaking like a sieve. The president still has too many people who don't like him, who are working for him, who don't believe thoroughly in his policies, or who are out-and-out enemies of the president, left over from the Obama regime in one place in the government or another, or just within his own team. And, And they punish the president by leaking information they should not. You know, if somebody says something like White House communication aide Kelly Sadler infamously was reported to have said in an offhand remark counting votes for CIA nominee uh, Gina Haspel recently, we don't have to worry about uh, Senator McCain's opposition, he's dying anyway. You say that in public, absolutely the world ought to come down around you. It's a terribly insensitive remark, okay? But internally, in casual conversation, when you're having a meeting and having, for crying out loud, you know, I mean, there, there would be things that people would be outraged about in, in every corporate meeting in America, things are said like this. It's just an entirely different environment, for crying out loud. And to have somebody leak this out there and create this furor, of course, is someone who doesn't like Trump. So he shouldn't be working for Trump. And the media grabs a hold of it because Trump's got so much stuff going for him right now, from the economy to the embassy in Jerusalem to pulling us out of that horrible Iran deal to setting the stage for an unthinkable until a month or two ago summit meeting with the North Koreans on the issue of denuclearization, and I could keep on going. The media is saying, oh, my God, this is slipping away. Mueller doesn't look like he's doing too well. My God, let's see how much we can make out of this stupid little story. Do I think Kelly Sadler should have apologized or the White House for her? Yes, I do. But keep in mind, Trump just got disinvited from McCain's upcoming funeral. They've been at it since in the campaign, Trump said, I like heroes who don't get captured. You know that, that McCain purposely stuck it to Obama on the, on the, on the Obama, or stuck it to Trump on the Obamacare vote late at night with the thumbs down. I mean, there's been a lot of bad blood there, okay? Um, so I think Trump probably says, you are not apologizing publicly, and we are not. That's my guess. I don't know exactly what's true here. I, 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 I hate the idea the thing got out. Trump said yesterday, the leakers are traitors. We're going to find out who they are, and by God, they need to. Yaffe, you can't run a White House with it leaking like a sieve in this regard, but these are some of the factors that are going into the furor created over this offhand remark in a private conversation when they were counting votes, for God's sake. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you. I mean, she should apologize, but the coverage of it over the weekend and on Friday. She did contact McCain's daughter and apologize. And McCain's daughter thinks she should do it publicly and yada, yada, yada. But the coverage of it on Friday and over the weekend over so much other stuff that was going on that was a lot more important was was something to behold. It was quite amazing. Well... And I'm just pointed out the reason why too oh, much is course. going Trump's way. Yeah, you well, yeah. Right. If you're if you're committed in the anti-Trump media to discrediting and destroying him and his presidency, you got to grab onto anything you can. And this was anything they could.
and they did. I hope Trump finds out who the leakers are and blows them out the door unceremoniously and publicly and names names. It needs to happen. Kellyanne Conway says, look for some personnel changes, so I think there's going to be some scalps taken soon, and I think there need to be. News with Deb here at the bottom of the hour. It's amazing when you look at the calendar how quickly the hurricane season has come Mm. upon us, and we're all kind of casting a bit of a wary eye toward the Gulf with what might or might not be going on there. What can you tell us? Well, with the start of the Atlantic hurricane season still a little bit more than two weeks away, forecasters are already watching that disturbance in the Gulf of Mexico. A large area of cloudiness, showers and thunderstorms stretches from western Cuba across the southeastern Gulf, the Florida Straits, and much of the Florida Peninsula. AccuWeather meteorologist Evan Duffy talks about what the chances are of it becoming better organized. Uh, Very low overall. It just doesn't look like a the temperatures of the uh, sea surface are warm enough. The shear's a little bit too high. It's a bit too early in the season for this sort of thing. But uh, there, isn't a, uh, there is an outside shot, uh, maybe uh, 20% or less, of being named a, a, a depression, let alone given, be given a name name. Well, the National Hurricane Center gives the system less than a 40% chance of developing into a named storm. However, it will mean continued rainfall over much of the Sunshine State for much of the week. The first name on the list for the 2018 Atlantic hurricane season is Alberto. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Florida's first lady reads to school kids at the governor's mansion. It was the start of Ann Scott's eighth annual summer literacy adventure. It's important to have fun and relax, but it's also important to keep up your reading skills over the summer so that when school starts again in the fall, you'll be ahead of the game and ready to succeed. Scout will spend the next couple of months traveling the state, encouraging students to read and to visit their local libraries during the summer break. She's also hosting a contest for uh, students in, in, in Florida. The school that reads the most books uh, will get a visit from First Lady Ann Scott as well as a prize. Florida Polytechnic University is denying accusations that it isn't doing enough to address students' health concerns. Those allegations came to light in an anonymous letter recently addressed to the chair of the school's board. The letter claims Florida Poly has cut health services and counseling. However, the school's audit officer recently told the ledger Florida Poly meets the state's guidelines on staffing for counseling services. And finally, the head of the Brevard County School District is leaving. Superintendent Desmond Blackburn announced yesterday he's resigning to be CEO of a nonprofit education group. He's been superintendent for three years, and his contract was set to expire in 2020. In his resignation letter, Blackburn thanked Brevard County residents for welcoming him with open arms, and he writes he will miss everyone dearly. You can get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. Right now it's 635 and the first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. Deb, thank you so much. Right, let's bring in Gina Cervetti live from New York City in the Bloomberg Newsroom. And good Tuesday morning to you, Gina. Good Tuesday morning to you, bud. So the stock futures are slipping a bit, economic Mm -hmm. data coming in. Uh, Let's talk about what's going on with Wall Street. The stock futures are down a little bit here. Nothing too dramatic. 
Investors are awaiting the April report on retail sales this morning. We did see stocks ending largely little changed in relatively light trading yesterday. Tech shares did get a lift, though, from President Donald Trump's easing of tensions in a trade spat with China. The S&P adding two points, or about a tenth of a percent, closing at 2730. The Dow is up 68 to 24,899, and the NASDAQ was up eight points to 7411. The Bloomberg Orlando index slipped a bit. It was down three-tenths percent. And we got kind of a housing boom going on right now. At least we do here. Let's check in on uh, Home Depot. Their earnings are in. What do they show, Gina? Well, there might be a cautionary sign up here, but Home Depot shares are down about 2.4% in pre-market trading. Comparable sales rose but missed estimates in the first quarter, and this is adding to concerns that the housing market may be cooling off. Earnings did beat analyst projections. Home Depot did reaffirm its 2018 guidance, but again, investors not liking this whole report this morning with the shares moving lower. And Toys R Us with locations here and all across the country. The big toy store going out of business. Gina, what are they going to do with all that stuff? How are they going to get rid of it? Well, Toys R Us is proposing auctioning off its name, its customer lists, and its baby registry as it heads toward the biggest retail liquidation in U.S. history. The bankrupt toy maker plans to solicit bids for all of the U.S. rights to its intellectual property with an auction tentatively set for June 18th. And if you are in the market for a new car and you're going to need to finance it, getting a car loan may be a little bit harder if your credit's not what it needs to be. Right, Gina? Yes. Well, Fitch Rating says that in the month of March, but the delinquency rate for subprime auto loans more than 60 days past due hit 5.8%. That's the highest since 1996. These are the riskiest loans. This compares with a default rate of around 5% a decade ago during the financial crisis. And as a result, lenders are pulling back from applicants with shaky credit. Interesting. And before you go, um, it's always great when you get more airlines with more flights, you know, here in Orlando. That, that's what we're concerned about because you get more competition and theoretically you'd get better, 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 right, better rates. Uh, let, let's talk about, forgive me, I take three days off and I can't talk anymore. <laughs> forgive me on that. United, I understand. No, oh, man, you've been there? <laughs> yes. Anyway, United Continental is adding some flights and uh, here in Orlando as well. That's right, bud. You might want to uh, take a trip back to New Jersey, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, United is adding service connecting Newark to 17 U.S. cities starting October 4th with destinations including Orlando. It also plans to turn winter-only flights between Key West and Newark into year-round flights. United is playing catch-up to Delta in terms of profits, and it's been adding flights to its hubs. Well, we'll see how that all plays out. Always great being with you, Gina. Thank you so much. We'll look for your next Bloomberg Business Report tomorrow at 635. You have a good day. Thank you. You too. All right, coming up, a live report. I'm going to chat with an AccuWeather meteorologist on our team on Florida's rainy week, which continues but are we going to get any tropical development there? We've been giving you updates here, but we're going to have the very latest live in a moment on that important question. So that and Orlando's news, weather and traffic updated in two minutes. Stick around on News Radio 1025 WFLA. We've been hearing an awful lot about this big rain-making weather system and whether or not it has the potential to develop into something of note tropically. 
I thought when we put this show together, we ought to get us all up to date, me included, um, uh, on all of this with a live report from one of our top flight AccuWeather meteorologists who serve us so well here on uh, WFLA and Good Morning Orlando. And it's great to reconnect with you as we're on the cusp of the new hurricane season. Meteorologist Mike Dahl, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? I'm just fine. How's that system look out there? Well, it's it's still out there, but at this point, it still does not look like it's going to develop into a tropical system. Um, that's that's certainly the good news. Um, you know, conditions just aren't quite favorable. Uh, it's uh, has a lot of characteristics of what we call a system that's more core, uh, cold core. Um, but it's going to be bringing some areas of heavy rain to uh, the state of Florida over the next still two to three days. But in terms of any developing into anything tropical, it doesn't look likely. I don't want to completely rule it out at this point, but the, the chances uh, of it developing uh, into a tropical entity are very low at this point. So it's a low-pressure system in the Gulf now, and it's kind of, am I correct, moving kind of parallel to the, to the west coast of the Florida Peninsula, headed in the direction of the Panhandle, at least with its center. Is that right? Yeah, yeah that's generally correct. Uh, it is uh, slowly drifting toward the north. Um, but its moisture stretches even farther north um, into uh, into the southeast United States, into Georgia and South Carolina. Uh, and eventually this moisture is going to make it all the way up to the east coast as the week progresses. Hmm. So the, some of this moisture is actually uh, going to be impacting uh, places like uh, Raleigh, Richmond, Virginia, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, eventually Philadelphia, and probably New York City by the time we get to the weekend. And there is a flood threat, actually, up and down the East Coast with this, especially as we get toward Thursday, Thursday mm-hmm. night, and into Friday. So it's going to be a far-reaching system. As far as impacts to Florida, we're still looking at, over the next few days, uh, generally one to two inches of rain. It can be locally heavy, if especially when we get areas where uh, downpours uh, are continuous, uh, especially over a you know five six hour period. Right. We you know locally. What do you uh, hang, hang on a sec before you go though? Let me ask you, Mike. What are you yeah. seeing on the radar now? And what time today are we likely to get the heaviest of whatever rain there might be for us? Yeah. Right. Right now on the on the radar, it's pretty tranquil really across the state. Generally looking at some scattered showers and a few thunderstorms. Um, but uh, at this point, there's nothing uh, really particularly heavy impacting any parts of the state. In fact, the heaviest cluster of showers and thunderstorms is off the east coast um, of the uh, peninsula, and there's a few heavier showers off the west coast as well. But I would expect as we get into the afternoon, we'll start to see things bubbling up and uh, more widespread shower and thunderstorm activity developing with the uh, typical heating of the day. Okay, fair enough. But the big question, we're in the sunshine state, doggone it. When does the sun shine again here? <laughs> well, I, I think conditions are going to get better, but not, not until later in the week. Um, but, uh, you know, at this point, not one particular day is going to be a complete washout. There will be some drier, uh, dry periods throughout yeah. the day. Okay. But uh, certainly with the threat for thunder, if you have outdoor plans, uh, keep that in mind. Make sure you're seeking adequate shelter. Uh, the moment you hear thunder, make sure you go indoors. What do you think? Noticeable change by maybe Thursday, Friday? I think it's probably toward Friday. All right. Um, a more noticeable change. Um, For the good. But, uh, there's still going to be some uh, shower and thunderstorm chances uh, continuing into the, into the weekend. But okay. I think the chance for downpours and flooding will certainly diminish.
AccuWeather meteorologist Mike Dahl, live with the Bud Man here. Thank you so much for coming on. As always, we appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a great day. All right. You too. For better or for worse, till death do us part. We know the wedding vows, right? Excerpting a portion of that for the title of this segment. For better or for worse, three stories that caught my eye while I was enjoying my three-day weekend. And um, thanks to Yaffe, by the way, for hosting so well in my absence yesterday, as always. So is this for better or for worse? Governor Rick Scott attended the big ceremony in Jerusalem as President Trump kept another campaign promise and moved the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to the capital of Israel, which is Jerusalem. This has been on the books as law in this country since 1995. Three prior presidents didn't do it. So he's over there doing that while this little tropical thing that's not really developing off the coast here was starting to percolate. So his opponent in the race for U.S. Senate, Bill Nelson, is taking on the governor here, saying that he was in Israel instead of minding the store at home. With a threat swirling in the Gulf, Rick Scott is using taxpayer dollars to promote his campaign. This was in a campaign email from Nelson out to prospective voters, proving once again he has abandoned his job as governor, putting himself and his political career over the interests and the safety of Floridians. Is that about as petty, Yaffe, as it gets? For better or for worse, I yes. say that one is for worse. Yes. <laughs> I could not Are agree more with kidding? that. Are you kidding? Nobody said this thing was going to develop if it does it all for five days for crying out loud. And if you want to attack Rick Scott, there are lots of things you can attack him for. But this man was all over the hurricane threat last summer, big time. And anybody, you know, with an ounce of objectivity and credibility will tell you that was about as good as it gets the way he performed. Yeah, I don't think the average Floridian's going to buy Bill Nelson's argument. Yeah, just no, doesn't make sense. I mean, please. All right, so that that's for worse. Now, for better or for worse, we have this prom at a Catholic school in South Florida, Christopher Columbus High School, over the weekend. And the theme is, they have themes for proms, right? Okay? This is Welcome to the Jungle. So they go out, and they get a caged tiger. And they bring it in, along with some other critters, for authenticity, and they put that right out there in the middle of the floor, you know, with the music going and the dancing and all the lights and the whole deal. And people are going crazy about this. But I don't think for the right reason. It's all about you can't do this to the animal. We have no right to put them in that situation. The tiger was pacing. He was traumatized. He wasn't happy. Yaffe, I'm wondering... Why is nobody complaining about the idea that we put a potentially deadly jungle predator in close proximity to a bunch of high school kids? What if the worst happened, like in all the old movies, you know, where the monster gets out? Nobody's even thinking about that side of it. We're also now into into animal rights, that people are looking at the rights of the animals as opposed to the safety of the two-legged animals, a.k.a. the prom goers, for crying out loud. It's funny you bring that up because that's actually the first thing I thought of was the safety aspect. 
Nobody's mm. raising that. None of the complaints have anything to do with that. Sure, let him get out and chew on a couple of prom goers. That serves him right. But by God, we can't have a stressed out tiger in a cage. Oh, please. <laughs> Speaking of critters, now American Airlines is cracking down on these people who claim falsely in many cases, I'm sorry they do, that they need a support animal with them when they fly, an emotional support animal. I'm not talking about the legitimate need, and, and this is provided for in law, for service dogs or whatever, you know, for, for vets or, or whatever it happens to be. Uh, and and they, they are, by law, to fly in the cabin with everybody else, and they're all well-trained, okay? But people are bringing their peacocks on board, their goats on board, for crying out loud, the flight to Newark is not Noah's Ark. I mean, give me a break. Well, American Airlines has now, and this is for the better, decided you're not going to be able to bring amphibians, goats, hedgehogs, insects, non-household birds and animals with tusks, horns, or hoofs on board as emotional support animals, okay? The exception is miniature horses. Now, how can can you imagine this? Miniature horses. Can you even imagine this? You know, you know, you got you got the aisle seat, you know, and there's a horse sitting next to you, you know, in (laughs) eighteen D or whatever it is. I mean, give me a break. I can't. I I can't believe that's an exception. (laughs) That's crazy. It is. It's nuts. Any anyway. I mean, th- th- this is this is for the better. Don't you agree? You're, you're taking away their support frogs. Um, please. <laughs> the support cockroach yeah, that no, someone please. can bring. Yeah, in. and I don't want the, I really don't want the nasty emails and calls and comments from you saying that I am not being sensitive to those with legitimate needs who have an emotional support dog for some kind of a reason, and they absolutely have certification from from a mental health professional or whatever, or, or veterans who need a service dog for whatever reason, for the wounds that they suffered in war, etc. I'm never opposed to that. But this is nonsense. This is the same game that's played at Disney where all of these people claim they need a wheelchair when they don't. There are those who legitimately do, but you can't sort them out. And they want advantages cutting in line, and you got more people rolling around in wheelchairs and you can shake a stick at it, Disney, and it makes me crazy. So this same kind of game has been played here, and I'm glad American Airlines is calling them on it. Anyway, I've had my say. Time for me to be quiet. Doesn't come naturally. But the Debmeister tells me to zip it every half hour, and she's here again. Ready to go with the news? I am ready. (laughs) You're always ready. When the red light goes on, the Debmeister is ready to go. None better with the news. Here she comes. Uh, a Gulf system, big rainmaker for Florida. If you're just joining us, we have more on what that might or might not become. And setting the table for some uh, brisk conversation and debate in our next half hour, the U.S. Supreme Court strikes down a ban on sports betting. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Good Tuesday morning. So glad you're with us here at 7 o'clock. Good morning, Orlando. Great to have you with us here on a gloomy-looking Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock. We'll try to brighten things up a bit with our latest check on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you right here in News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, a Gulf system is a real rainmaker for Florida and the U.S. Supreme Court strikes down a ban on sports betting. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Legalized sports betting. Do we want it in Florida or not? My take and yours straight ahead on Good Morning Orlando. And good Tuesday morning at 7.03 on News Radio 102.5. Even though there are still two weeks left before the official start of hurricane season, 
Florida forecasters are looking at all storms very carefully. The National Weather Service says a disturbance currently in the Gulf could develop into something more serious this week. But right now, the chances of that happening are less than 40 percent. AccuWeather meteorologist Evan Duffy says even if it does get stronger, it's expected the storm will primarily bring rain to central Florida rather than strong winds. Yeah, coastal areas and also uh, in, uh, inland rivers and streams uh, should see plenty of uh, rise in their levels as well. It just looks like there's a lot of rain uh, coming to the area. Uh, the best chance for really heavy rain uh, is going to be from uh, the uh, Space Coast up all the way towards uh, Jacksonville in the east. The first name on the list for the six-month hurricane season, which gets underway June 1st, is Alberto. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The U.S. Supreme Court is striking down a federal ban on sports betting. Attorney Jeff Ifra, the founder of a law firm that focuses on gaming and entertainment, says some of the concerns surrounding sports betting include corrupting the integrity of the sport, gambling addiction, and also the involvement of minors in the betting. But he said sports betting is very as highly regulated, so these concerns aren't really valid. Some of those arguments are that um, sports betting will lead to um, harm the so-called integrity of the game. That That is a belief that somehow if you have high-volume gaming on the outcome of sporting events, that someone might corrupt the event somehow. For years, there's been a federal law prohibiting states from offering sports betting in their casinos. New Jersey had challenged the ban, claiming it was unfair that gambling on sports has been allowed in Nevada and just a few other states. Many states could begin to legalize betting on college and professional sports following the ruling. IFRA says sports betting is a win-win concept because it has the potential of bringing revenue into states to fill budget deficits, and it's a form of entertainment for people. Now, I've long been on public record as being anti-casino for Central Florida. I have some strong views on what just happened with the Supreme Court and whether Florida ought to go down the legalized sports betting route, and it might surprise some folks. It's coming right up, Deb. All right. Well, a couple of Northwest Florida lawmakers seem hesitant to support legalized sports gambling. The U.S. Supreme Court yesterday ruled that states have the right to legalize sports gambling, but State Senator Doug Broxson and State Representative Clay Ingram aren't excited about the ruling. Broxson tells uh, Channel 3 News he expects legalization will be more popular in South Florida than in North Florida. And finally, football fans may never know if Eli Manning signed off on bogus game-worn helmets. A settlement has been reached, but terms were not disclosed in the case where three sports collectors sued the giant star quarterback for memorabilia fraud. Both sides say all parties are grateful to have this concluded and are now focused on football and the fans. Three sports collectors claim they paid thousands of dollars for game-worn Manning helmets, but allege they were never used in a game. But they're never going to know for sure whether they're the real deal or not, right? Exactly. That doesn't seem right to me. It doesn't seem right, but I think it's because they didn't want the... uh, There were some emails where Manning had reportedly, you know, sent the equipment manager that uh, find some helmets that appear to be game-worn. Insider trading advantage, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, They cast them in a bad light. Yep, exactly. WFLA News Time at 7.07. This is a disturbing story. Read about a robocall for a California Senate candidate that promises to, quote, rid America of traitorous Jews. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. In 2018, we're still talking about stories like this. I kid you not. Get the story for yourself at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. 
Do we want legalized sports betting here in the state of Florida? Ultimately, the people will decide. What do you want and why? Let's talk. 407-916-5400. Text line open at 23680. Standard message and data rate supply. Right now, though, stay tuned for your shot at winning your share of $880,000 in cash in our Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest. Just listen for the new keyword of the hour, then text that word to 200-200. You could be our next $1,000 winner. Had one recently up in Volusia County. Pretty exciting, and it can happen for you. Also, just ahead, an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes here on News Radio 102.5 WFLA. I can tell you that this fall, you're going to have an opportunity to vote on a constitutional amendment on the ballot. Amendment number three, the Voter Control of Gambling Amendment, it is called, backed heavily by Disney and the Seminole Tribe of Florida that has the casinos across the state. Disney, um, you know, doesn't want big-time casino gambling because I I think, you know, that that what they do and and the family-friendly tourist mecca that they are the heart of is incompatible with what you get when you have big-time casino gambling. So the way this amendment will work is if Amendment 3 gets 60% or more of the votes this November in Florida, any form of casino gambling would then require voter approval. You see, this is currently controlled by the state legislature, but what they fear, and they're right on this score, is that lobbyists put enormous pressure and and, and campaign donations, et cetera, and get enough lawmakers in their hip pocket that they can get anything they want passed up in Tallahassee. And that's what this is a guard against. But back to the um, Supreme Court ruling. While I remain inalterably opposed to casino gambling, particularly in Central Florida, I guess South Florida is okay, and I don't think that can be stopped. But I don't like it anyway, because I think it is bad for the family-friendly image that we particularly have in Central Florida with our theme parks and attractions, just the, the nice family-friendly feel that we have in the tourist mecca that is the result of that and the great magnet for worldwide tourism that fuels our economy here. You get a seedy element, organized crime with casinos. So I'm against that. But let me tell you, people are already betting illegally to the tune of nearly $200 billion a year around this country. And I'm sorry, I'm for individual liberty. If somebody wants to place a bet on a game or an event, that's fine. That's different than the whole casino thing to me. And I'm fine with them doing that. Let's tax it. Let's regulate it. Let's control it. Let, you know, let the state, let some of the sports team entities get a piece of the action, et cetera, et cetera. I don't have a problem with this. I really don't. You, I'm not a, I don't bet. Why? I'm not on my moral high horse. I just don't have any confidence in my ability to win anything like that. I find myself to be inherently unlucky when it comes to betting on things. Maybe it's the good Lord telling me I ought to do something else more responsible with my money. But if you want to go do that, you ought to be able to do it legally and not run afoul of the law. Do you agree with me on that or not? And where are you on casinos while we're on the subject? 407-916-5400. Text line open at 23680. Standard message and data rates apply there. Now, keep in mind, if we go the legalized sports betting route, and I predict ultimately we will here in Florida, 
Many other states are a lot closer to it than we are, but I think it will happen here. You have to understand what comes along with that. The games you can win, but long-term, it's all rigged so that you lose. We all understand that, okay? All the Las Vegas hotels were built by losers, not winners. Remember that. And that's the way the gambling game works. More and more people will be losing more and more money. And those people, when we legalize sports betting, who won't do it because it's illegal, are in it when it is legal, are going to be losing money and have less money to, say, go shop with in a store, go out to dinner in a restaurant, and all of that can ripple through the economy. There will be more gambling addicts if there are more people gambling. Not everybody gets hooked, but those who do, we wind up paying for that. They turn to crime. Sometimes we have to pick up the tab for long-term care when they become indigent, etc. So there's all of that that comes with this. But on the grounds of individual liberty and freedom to do with your money what you choose, I am fine with legalizing sports betting in the state of Florida. So that's where I am on this. Do you think I have it right, or do you see it another way? Let's talk about this, because trust me, this is a big deal as a result of this Supreme Court ruling, and we are going to be confronting that here in the state of Florida. 407-916-5400, how do you want it to go? Text line 23680, standard message and data rates apply. Landmark ruling by the Supreme Court. Now the states, on a state-by-state basis, have the option to institute legalized sports betting. New Jersey sued for that. That's all. Las Vegas and and Nevada had that. Now everyone's going to have it. A lot of states are going to go down this road here. And um, if you want to bet on something legally with your money, as far as I'm concerned, you ought to be able to do it. I don't want... Big-time casino gambling here. It doesn't work with our, with our family-friendly um, tourist image and, um, and, and economy. It just doesn't. That's a separate issue to me. Yaffe, what's coming in on that text line, and what are your thoughts on this, buddy? Well, I mean, I, I agree with you. Think about how many offices in this country every year do office pools where they bet money. I mean, it happens all the time on sports games, Mm -hmm. illegally, like you said. It's not enforced. Might as well make it legal. I don't see what the big deal is. Um, I think it's perfectly fine. Like you said, it's just individual liberty. Let people do with what they want with their money. There you go. And on the text line, are folks agreeing with us or not? Um, One person uh, actually had a comment on the casinos said, in the past, casinos brought increased prostitution and organized crime. Right. Is that not still true? I think it is still true. It's one reason why I don't want them. I mean, you get that seedy element and all of that that comes along with them. You know, plus, plus I think... I think it's kind of exaggerated. I don't think it's Do you? Well... I mean, we have have some casinos in Ford already. We have the Seminole Hard Rock casinos Mm -hmm. that I think do pretty well. I don't think there's a Really bad well, city my, element there. Well, but, but my biggest concern really is I think it will cannibalize our, um, you know, our our family-friendly hotels and everything else, you know, that they will lose business to this. They will go out of business and, uh, 
you know, and, and, and gradually you're going to wind up with, you know, Las Vegas-type hotels everywhere and not so many of the kind we have now. And I just don't think that that's a good thing for Central Florida. We, we have another person who is saying basically we'll get a lot of new tax revenue from yeah. legalized gambling. Absolutely right. Sure. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, we already have a form of legalized gambling when you think about it, the Florida lottery. I mean, the lottery is basically gambling. When oh, you boil Mike, down to all it. of that goes for education to help the children. True, but Until it's still... Until we bleed it off and spend it on something else. <laughs> but it's still, I mean, it's still gambling. The basic game is you're betting money and trying to get win money back. It's, it's gambling. Point well taken. Well, we got a system in the Gulf. It's a rainmaker for Florida. Any tropical development? Deborah Roberts with the update coming up here in a moment. And the story of a woman... Are you ready for this? Got a $7,000 bill after buying what on Amazon? You won't believe it. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. News coming up with the Deb Meister at 729. Gray and gloomy. Too much rain. Actually, Deb, I think it's good that we've gotten as much rain as we have, but we're all casting a wary eye out of the Gulf of Mexico because they keep on talking about is something developing what do you have on that at this hour for folks? Well, I can tell you that the National Hurricane Center continues to watch that system in the eastern Gulf of Mexico that's been producing showers and thunderstorms across much of Florida. Forecasters say locally heavy rainfall and possible flash flooding can be expected over the next few days. They're monitoring for subtropical or tropical development as the system moves slowly northward. However, it's being given just a 30% chance of becoming a named storm. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Ever buy something and not pay attention to the price? Yes, I've been caught a couple of times on that. I think we all have. But we're all going to feel bad for this lady. Because a woman got the shock of her life when Hmm. she received a bill for more than $7,000 after ordering some toilet paper on Amazon. What'd you do, order for the whole state? No, (laughs) you'd think. Barbara Carroll reached out to WSB-TV in Atlanta after Amazon told her the company could not reverse the charges because she made the purchase from a third-party seller. Now, Carroll told the TV station that she bought three cases of toilet paper for $88.17, but was charged $7,455 for shipping. Carroll works as a building manager and buys cleaning supplies for her job. Now, Carol said she shared her story with the station to warn other customers about potential abuse from third-party sellers. She said she would continue to fight the charge. So this is not a clerical error. This is some kind of a scam here is what this is. It's a third-party seller. Thought, you know, she's going on Amazon, and, you know, because it's not Amazon, they can't reverse the charges. So she's stuck paying over $7,000 for shipping three cases of toilet paper that costs less than $90. Cautionary tale there. Absolutely. Hey, New York City is hugely expensive, right? No story there. Oh, yeah. But until March of this year, one woman was lucky enough to occupy a two-bedroom apartment in Greenwich Village, one of the most desirable neighborhoods in New York City, for the astonishing rent of $28.43 a month. I know they have rent control on the Big Apple, but (laughs) I didn't know they had it to that degree. $28, not a typo. Patricia O'Grady moved to New York back in 1955 to pursue a career as an actress. She and three girlfriends found a modest two-bedroom apartment on the top floor 
of a four-story mixed-use commercial building. Now, it was a pretty sweet deal. In exchange for sweeping the hallways and keeping the building tidy, they paid $16 a month in rent. The years went by, and her roommates eventually moved out, but O'Grady stayed and stayed. And why not? Over some 60 years, her rent-controlled apartment remained incredibly affordable. Yeah. In March, unfortunately, O'Grady was taking a walk near her home when she was struck by a car and killed. She was 84. Oh, my goodness. With her passing, news began to spread about the longtime Greenwich Village actress and her rent-controlled apartment. One apartment in the area recently went for $5,000 a month, while another is $7,000 a Because when they change hands, yep. you know, you lose that advantage. Yes, you the, do. The next, the next owner doesn't get it. Nope. Or the next uh, but tenant. Patricia wow. O'Grady did. Oh, my goodness. And what a smart use for that. Isn't that crazy? All right, back here in Florida, one St. Petersburg woman considered her lack of beer to be an emergency. So she called 911 to get some. Guess what? Now she's in trouble. Jennifer Sue Sunday of St. Petersburg called the non-emergency 911 system twice on Friday. That's according to the Tampa Bay Times. Sunday told dispatchers she had a medical emergency. But when paramedics arrived at her home, she fessed up to just needing more beer. Sunday, who's 54, appeared to be under the influence of alcohol when she was arrested following her second 911 call. They made up emergencies weren't Sunday's first bogus calls to 911 either. Since February, she's placed 28 calls to 911 claiming she had medical emergencies and was arrested in 2014 and in 2016 for previously abusing the 911 system. And, and, and the problem is that she's just got a huge problem with the booze, and, and somebody needs to tend to that. It sounds like she's not actually mocking the system to her. That's a legitimate emergency situation when she doesn't have beer. Take away her, heard beer about her and her phone. She was. Take yeah. away her beer and her phone. You ain't a kidding. And finally, a woman was arrested on suspicion of stalking and harassing a man after she allegedly sent him 65000 Text messages after their first and only date. (laughs) Jacqueline Adis of Paradise Valley, Arizona, is also accused of visiting the man's home and claimed to be his wife when she stalked him at his office. She says she felt like she'd met her soulmate and would do just what everybody else did. They would just get married and everything would be fine. The 31-year-old Adis sometimes sent 500 text messages a day to the unidentified man she met online apparently on a millionaire matchmaker's website. I'm not thinking it's him she fell in love with. It was his wallet. Yaffe, 65,000 text messages. I I was trying to think how that's even possible, trying to do the math of how many a day, an hour, a minute. (laughs) 500 text messages a day. I mean, at some times that they said that that's how many she sent. She also, yeah. Must be a fast typer. A really fast typer. <laughs> and, of course, there's a lot of, you know, acronyms and stuff. But in some of the text messages, I mean, she threatens violence. She says she wants to wear the man's skull. Oh, That she says yeah, that whoa. he's the meanest person she's ever met, but he's still her soulmate. Yaffe, we got to find you a woman, but we need to do better than that. <laughs> yeah, that's a little scary. Yeah. She's a nut. <laughs> Probably not the time to tell him we're going to find him a woman. <laughs> right? We know one out in Arizona who's looking. What is that all about? Did I miss something? No, the one that's uh, Oh, charged. this one? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Hey, call Mike Yaffe. Yeah.
<laughs> 3,000 miles should be just about enough between you and her. I, I want to keep my skull. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Deb. You're welcome, bud, man. The Debmeister. Man, one extreme to the next. 65,000 text messages, $7,000 for toilet paper, a $28 New York City apartment. <laughs> Amazing. See what she comes up with next. Deb will have news at the top and the bottom of the hour. Whenever it breaks, my amazing co-host and partner here on the 50,000-watt front porch. We're pro-law enforcement here, pro-police on Good Morning Orlando and WFLA and the 50,000-watt front porch, and we know almost all of you are as well. We take note of it being National Police Week, and there are a number of functions at the federal level which are going on. One today at the U.S. Capitol is the 37th Annual National Peace Officers Memorial Service in honor of those who've lost their lives in the line of duty in police work. It starts at 11 o'clock this morning. Um, In conjunction with National Police Week, this great story that came to my attention out of Marion County. You know, the bad cops, they get all the media attention. They are few and far between, but that's where the focus always seems to be. What about the good cops who put their lives on the line every day? And they're called on in other ways to save the lives of others. Great little story here concerning Marion County Sheriff's Deputy Jeremy Nix, he has done with his shift, oh, about a little less than a week ago, and he's driving home. All of a sudden, um, he sees a white car come up by him and then pull in front of him and stop. And as soon as the car stops, a teary-eyed, panic-stricken young mother frantically gets out of the car with her little baby in her arms, three or four months old. And she's got a cell phone. She's stuck in heavy traffic. Her baby, she says, is not breathing. The traffic is so bad. She doesn't know how she's going to get to the hospital. And suddenly, Deputy Nick starts performing CPR, whatever else he can do with his training and his expertise to try to save this little one. He calls for the ambulance. But he cannot get any response from the little one. And then he takes matters into his own hands. Dash cam video is rolling with the accompanying audio. Deputy Jeremy Nix says this. I'm not waiting on medics. I'm a half a mile to ORMC. I'm headed to their emergency room with the baby. So he cranked up the lights and the siren blew through the traffic, got to the hospital, and the baby's life was saved. Some great bedside photos of of Jeremy Nix along with the mother and the baby who is going to be fine. Little four-month-old Kingston is going to be fine. Well, it got my attention when I was off yesterday that the deputy and the mom wound up side-by-side on Fox & Friends yesterday morning. Here is Marion County mom Nicole Crowell. Oh, so thankful that her four-month-old son is still alive and apparently is going to be fully recovered or already is. Here she is. I give all glory to God and to him for even, you know, rolling his window down because, you know, 
some people may have just ignored the the horn or whatever and I just wanted him to know how much I appreciated him for thinking fast and realizing that my baby was in a in he was in a rough situation and needed immediate help and he actually you know just took over and and pretty much saved my son's life mm -hmm. And keep in mind, he was off-duty, headed home. He could have looked the other way, but he didn't. He's just another one of the good cops who quietly do heroic work every single day. Here is Marion County Sheriff's Deputy Jeremy Nix. There's so many great guys out there. Um, so many times, like you said, the stories, you know, the bad stories can make the headlines. So uh, today was awesome. Being able to be there for Kingston, like I said, you know, God put me in the right place at the right time for the right reason. And, and uh, obviously the proof of that is sitting in mama's lap today. So uh, for me, it's just uh, I was just glad I was able to be there and be there for Nicole in Kingston. Yep. And we got a happy ending to that great, great story. If you're running to somebody in law enforcement, why don't you give them a special thank you? Go out of your way to do so. It is National Police Week, and they deserve all the support we can give them. By the way, I hate to say there's a racial component to this story, but the fact of the matter, it there is, okay? The mom and the baby are black. The officer is white. To the officer, black lives mattered as much as any other lives. That's the way almost all the cops are. You only hear about the very few who are not. Unless you're listening to us, then you get this stuff. And we hope you enjoyed it as we move our way through National Police Week. Good morning, Orlando. It's Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock, and we are glad you're with us for the very latest check of Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning a golf system is a real rainmaker for Florida, and get ready for some very busy roads on Memorial Day. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. We're on the Trump train for another Trump promise kept. The U.S. Embassy in Israel has been moved to Jerusalem. The violence, though, from the Palestinians has ensued. We'll have a latest and a live report on all of this next on Good Morning Orlando. Good Tuesday morning. It's 8.02 on News Radio 102.5. There are still two weeks left before the official start of hurricane season, but Florida forecasters are watching a disturbance in the Gulf. The National Weather Service says there should be quite a bit of rain today and throughout this week. AccuWeather meteorologist Evan Duffy says the system is in the Gulf right now and moving north and will then hover over parts of the Sunshine State for the rest of the week. It's because an upper-level low-pressure system, those always move so slowly. Uh, it's going to be in the vicinity for quite some time. Uh, the, the actual system doesn't really leave the area until we get to around Thursday, and after that, moisture streaming up behind it is still going to be around. They're monitoring for subtropical or tropical development as the system moves, uh, moves slowly northward. However, it's being given just a 30% chance of becoming a named storm. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. An amazing story from overseas where the co-pilot of a jetliner in China was sucked halfway out of the cockpit, according to the pilot. Oh, my. The plane made an emergency landing yesterday after part of the windshield blew out. The pilot told reporters the Airbus A319 had just reached its cruising altitude of 32,000 feet when a deafening sound tore through the cockpit. He said the next thing he knew, his co-pilot had been sucked halfway out of the plane. The co-pilot had scratches and a sprained wrist. One other crew member was injured. None of the 119 passengers was hurt. 
remarkable they kept that plane in the air and everybody was saved. That, that's the cockpit version of that Southwest disaster where the woman was killed when a window broke after shrapnel came from a, you know, an exploding engine, engine right? Yeah. Gee whiz, Deb. My uh, goodness, I had not heard that. Yeah. That's uh, late news out of China. Wow. Mm. Makes me uh, want to just stick to the car. And <laughs> close to the ground. And close to the ground. And if you're going to be doing that for Memorial Day travel or for any travel, be ready to shell out more, more money for gas. Patrick DeHaan of TampaGasPrices.com says the price of a gallon of unleaded jumped 9 to 15 cents over the past week thanks to oil prices. Gas prices tend to ignore daily fluctuations and suddenly over the course of a week or week and a half, jump by a significant amount. It looks like that pricing strategy came to a head last week with gas prices jumping significantly to catch up to the recent rise in the price of gasoline. Yeah, the average price of gas is 281 around the Sunshine State. GasBuddy.com says the average in Orlando is a touch cheaper at 278, but let's check in with the one who always finds the cheapest gas in Orlando, bud. Gas Bud driving in on 1792 at Button Road up in Castleberry, Maitland area, 271. That's the best I've seen. I'm star- I'm going to seriously follow you around. Well, why not? Well, you know. People wh- will talk, but uh, I'll <laughs> lead you to cheap gas. <laughs> well, you'd think higher gas prices would keep people off the road, but that's not going to be the case. Uh, for Memorial Day weekend, AAA's Mark Jenkins says more than 2.2 million state residents will travel during the holiday, with nearly 2 million driving to their destination. Both numbers are up 5.5% from last year. So we're expecting uh, more travelers than last year, and a lot of it just hangs on the economy uh, still being strong. And, you know, gas prices being about $2.82 on average, still not quite high enough to deter people from taking a trip. Nationwide, AAA says more than 41.5 million Americans will take a Memorial Day weekend trip, the most in more than a dozen years, and I will go on record saying the majority of them are probably coming to take in all that we have to uh, show here in Central Florida. Huge influx at Memorial Day. Yeah. Here they come. We're still the top travel destination once again in AAA's travel survey. Yep. And finally, when you do get behind the wheel, be aware it's time once again to click it or ticket. The Florida Highway Patrol is joining other law enforcement and highway safety partners in the national campaign that runs through June 3rd. Drivers will see increased education and enforcement of buckling up laws to help motorists avoid serious injury or death. Florida law requires the use of seatbelts by drivers and passengers in the front seat and all children under the age of 18 in the front or back seat of a motor vehicle. WFLA News Time, it's 8.07, and you can read about First Lady Melania Trump undergoing kidney surgery at 1025WFLA.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Thank you, Deb. Good Anytime. morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit LauraHasTheBuyers.com. Next time will be 8.30 whenever news breaks. The Deb Meister will be back. Yaffe producing in the control room, and Steph is taking calls at 407-916-5400. Always available here in the uh, text line. Never busy, 23680, but know that standard message and data rates apply. In a moment, we're going to um, check in with um, Bill Zimfer, our News Radio 1025 national correspondent, working the foreign desk on um, this landmark event yesterday where the United States, thanks to President Trump, kept the promise that previous presidents had not and moved our embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Just another statement conforming to reality that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. 
There's been violence. There's been mayhem, death in the Middle East, keeping track of all of it. Bill Zimfer, he'll have the very latest in a moment. You never want to miss it when he is on deck. I'll be chatting with him live. Now, stay tuned for your shot of winning your share of $880,000 in cash. We continue with our amazing Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest. Had a $1,000 winner last month up in Volusia County. You could be a winner, too, but you got to listen now for the new keyword of the hour. That's coming right up shortly, and then text that word to 200-200, and, yep, you could win $1,000. An update, as always, on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic is only two minutes out. Here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Cannot overstate what a historic day it was in the Middle East yesterday on the 70th anniversary of the formation of the modern nation of Israel, the official dedication of the new United States Embassy in Israel moved by order of President Trump from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Attending the ceremonies, and you'll hear from them now. The president's daughter, Ivanka Trump, Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, Ivanka's husband, who's done a lot of work on Middle East policy for the president, Jared Kushner, and the president himself on video. We welcome you officially and for the first time to the embassy of the United States. Thank you, President Trump, for having the courage to keep your promises. We stand together because we believe democracy is worth defending. The United States will always be a great friend of Israel and a partner in the cause of freedom and peace. Quite a day. There's also been extreme violence, mayhem, death, uh, in reaction to all of this by the Palestinians. Not at all unexpected, but the level of it perhaps was surprising. Let's get a handle on it all right now. Major international story and working the foreign desk for us, our fine News Radio 1025 national correspondent Bill Zimfer. Bill, thanks for coming on for a few minutes. Good morning to you. Good morning, Bud. And I think it was a little bit uh, ironic and a bit of a contradiction yesterday when Benjamin Netanyahu at the embassy said it was a great day for peace. Meanwhile, at the Gaza-Israel border, there was such violence going on, as you mentioned, leaving 60 people dead, over 2,500 wounded. And uh, those clashes do continue today, although things have kind of shifted to the West Bank, where we have reports of several clashes today and three Palestinians wounded by rubber-tipped gunfire from Israeli forces today, uh, but Israel coming under fire from a lot of other countries for the the force they used against the demonstrators yesterday, live fire and even an airstrike at one point. Now they uh, so, they, they had yeah. they had warned everybody to stay out of the border area, right? And because yeah, they, they had, and they're, they're not going to let them crash through the border fence and come into the into Israel, uh, and, you know, because there are nearby Israeli villages, and you know they would they would fear the worst there. I mean, they had put the word out; they dropped leaflets and all of this. Yep. But the Palestinians are just so incensed by by what happened yesterday, and of course that in conjunction with the 70th anniversary of Israel, the nation they loathe, I guess, led to all of this. Absolutely. And uh, you have to add in Hamas, uh, the militant branch right. of the Palestinians, uh, a terror organization uh, sparking these protests as well and getting involved and getting involved in the more violent end of the protests as well, reportedly placing explosives along that fence line. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes, uh, there. Hey, w a response by Israel. I think every other country agrees that Israel has the right to defend themselves and should have responded. But uh, the criticism comes at the level of the response 
the live fire that ended up killing a lot of people. Yeah, an extraordinary thing, though, the president has done by moving the embassy. Yeah. It's been on the books as U.S. law for a long time. Three presidents had promised when they campaigned they'd do it. Clinton, Bush 43, and Obama didn't. Trump did, Bill. Yeah, and and, and uh, we see how controversial a move this is, and that's why the the presidents, uh, the previous president, shied away from this. And uh, you look at the fact now that could this open the floodgates for everybody else to move their embassies into Jerusalem? Doesn't look like it so far. The only other countries that either are going to do it or intend to are Guatemala, which opens their embassy there tomorrow, uh, Honduras, and Romania. Uh, the other major countries in the world are saying they're going to stay in Tel Aviv. Now, before you go, there's a school of thinking that says this ends any hope of peace in the Middle East, the peace process, that the U.S. now has come down so hard on the side of Israel that they could never be that honest broker of peace between the Palestinians and the Israelis. But I think the president said, correct me if I'm wrong, what we've been doing never led to peace. Let's do something different. There's a school of thought that thinks ultimately this may well sow the seeds for some kind of a resolution in the Middle East. Yeah, and that resolution could be, Bud, to uh, to make Jerusalem into an international city. Uh, it would be the capital uh, of Israel, of course, but an international city that, of course, includes three of the most holy places in the world belonging to different religions. So it could be uh, almost like an international religious center and uh, a place that could be a peaceful place, I think, as Benjamin Netanyahu, Netanyahu said yesterday. Yeah. So, uh, there, hey, never say never on Mideast peace, but I would say this, Bud, the chances of the United States being the broker of a Mideast peace plan probably took a step backward. I would have to believe that that's so. Always great talking over the big issues of the day with you. Bill Zimfer, News Radio 1025 National Correspondent, working the foreign desk for us today. Bill, thank you so much. My pleasure, Bud. All right, good deal. So, where are you on the president making the bold move, keeping the campaign promise that other presidents had made? but then reneged on. I'm on the Trump train on this one, big time. 407-916-5400, what about you? Text me at 23680, standard message and data rates apply. You glad the president did this, or do you wish he had not? History made yesterday. The president made good in a campaign promise that Clinton, Bush 43, and Obama all made and reneged on to move the U.S. Embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv down to Jerusalem. Valerie from Orlando, how did that decision set with you, Valerie? I was in, I was for the decision, and I think that any move that we make to make progress today is a good move, and I think this is what uh, Donald Trump is doing for us. It's another promise made and a promise kept, I think. That's the way I look at it. Well, I think that it, there's an old adage, you throw it up against the wall and see if it sticks. Well, what and do you think? Do you, do you think he, ultimately think that this stick. may bear further fruit and lead us toward peace in the Middle East? I think it will, as well as what he's doing with uh, what other presidents have failed to do. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yaffe, your thoughts on all of this and your latest check of the text line, if you will. Yeah, my original thought, especially when you were talking with Bill and they talked about the number of people injured in the Palestinian protests. you know, 60 with 2,700 hurt. Yeah, exactly. 60, 60 killed, 2,700 injured. That must mean there were thousands of people at, at the border. Tens of thousands, I would think. Tens of thousands 
causing violence at the border. Well, they were. They were, and they could have smashed through the fence here, okay? Well, exactly. What are the Israelis supposed to do? Just let them rush through the fence and cause chaos in their country? Yeah. They warned, don't go near the border, okay, in this situation. All right? We're not not tolerating this. We're not tolerating a threat that you'll break through and, and slaughter people in nearby Israeli villages. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and I, Hamas just, you know, I mean, they, they're invested totally in the destruction of Israel, okay? And, and they were willing to sacrifice their own people by getting them all ginned yeah. up and putting them in that situation because they wanted to put another black hat on Israel. The New York Times is blaming Israel for the death and the mayhem and the injuries over there as we speak this morning. So but Israel Hamas, just, I mean... Hamas Set that up. I mean, Israel just lets these violent people, they should just let these violent people cause havoc in their country by not enforcing the border. I mean, that seems crazy to me. Yeah. They do understand the concept of border security in Israel. They need to in order to continue to exist, period. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. One person says this, he says uh, on the text line, says, who says we have to be the ones who always broker the deals? These countries are old enough to make good decisions instead of being selfish. Yeah. Well, listen, who knows what will happen here right now. The whole issue of the embassy is off the table. That was always, well, you'll trash the peace process. We moved the embassy right now. There was no peace process. Okay, the Palestinians don't want peace unless peace involves the destruction of the state of Israel. So I don't know where we go from there, but I'm glad the president did what the other presidents didn't have the guts to do. So, Deb, this miserable rainmaker we've had with us for too long that is still with us, is this thing going to cause any tropical trouble? What's the latest thinking on that? Well, Florida forecasters are watching that disturbance, and it does have a small chance of developing into something more serious. The National Weather Service says there should be quite a bit of rain in central Florida and elsewhere in the state today and the rest of this week. The system is in the Gulf right now and moving north slowly and then will then hover over parts of Florida for the rest of the week. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Heads up, an asteroid the size of, if you heard Bud say it, the Statue of Liberty is set to fly past Earth this evening. Asteroid 2010 WC9 is expected to pass Earth at about half the distance to the moon. That's pretty close in space terms. Yes, it is. And it's estimated to stretch 170 to 400 feet across. Now, astronomers say few objects of that size are seen passing so close to Earth, but the asteroid doesn't present any risk to our planet. I'm going to take that with a grain of salt because astronomers discovered the asteroid in 2010 but lost it for eight years until it popped up on the radar again earlier this month. Whoa. Not so sure I'm going to be taking the astronomers' words to the bank. How do you lose something the size of the Statue of Liberty? (laughs) For eight years. Come on. For eight years. (laughs) A Georgia beekeeper says thieves stole dozens of his hives, taking off with up to $20,000 worth of equipment. Don Kuchenmeister tells WSB-TV the hives disappeared Sunday morning. This is a big problem. Rustlers stealing beehives. Really? Because it's big money to rent out your beehive to pollinate your flowers, your nuts, your fruits, your vegetables. Ah. So with more than five decades of experience in beekeeping, including 35 years as a commercial beekeeper, Kutchenmeister operates Dixie Bee Supply in Banks County, where he often teaches disabled vets his craft. He theorizes that at least half a dozen people were involved in the heist. 
He says the thieves likely had beekeeping experience and were looking to either resell the hives or use them to pollinate their own beekeeping business. Whatever the reason, Kutchenmeister had one message for the abductors, quote, I hope you get stung good, end quote. <laughs> Kutchenmeister gets the Deb Meister treatment That's here. right, good absolutely. Morning, I love it. And finally, a Michigan boy found a way to make his mark on the occasion of his mother's marriage proposal. Alyssa Anter said yes Saturday to the question popped by her boyfriend, Kevin. Video shows the bride-to-be and man on bended knee, blissfully unaware that right next to them, Three-year-old Owen Anter had dropped his pants to pee in front of Bay City's Ring of Friendship sculpture. Oh, jeez, three-year-olds. You never know what I'm... They were alerted to the pint-sized proposal crasher by their giggling (laughs) videographer, uh, her boyfriend's 11-year-old daughter, Kaylee. Alyssa says her son, quote, stole the show and acknowledges his potty training is a work in progress. (laughs) (laughs) The video was shared Monday by WNEM-TV and the Bay City Times. That's priceless. Isn't it? As long as you're only three, get away with that stuff. <laughs> exactly. Anything you know? over that. Yeah, lock them up. Oh, exactly. <laughs> mom, just let have mom have at them. There you go. Thank you, Deb. You're welcome, bud, man. Fun stuff. Hey, would you like to win free tickets to a jazz festival and a wine and food tasting extravaganza at Lake County's fabulous, renowned Lake Ridge Winery. You can, if you win our sound judgment game, you're eligible. If you haven't won the daily game in a month, call right now. That's the only way you can win this amazing prize. You got to call and lock in right now. 407-916-5400. Steph will take your call, put you on hold and hang in for the game. I'm looking for sound judgment contestants. 407-916-5400. All right, let's turn it over to Steph right now to give you the lowdown on this great prize we're playing for on Sound Judgment. Steph? That's right, bud. So today we have a four-pack of one-day tickets to Lake Ridge Winery and Vineyards Summerfest. There will be live music, grape stomping, as well as food and wine happening June 8th to the 10th. Wow, I love that. It's a jazz festival and the whole thing. I didn't know they were throwing in grape stomping. I could be in for this, but they won't let me win the prize. You, however, can win if you haven't won in 30 days. Company rules. If you're getting a busy signal because the lines are jammed, wait for a wrong answer, and a line opens, and you can grab it quickly at 407-916-5400. Ready? Let's play. For today's Sound Judgment game, I'm going to play some brief comments about something that's been making news for a while now. Listen closely, and then use your sound judgment to tell me what this guy's talking about. It's not like it's a hurricane where you think, okay, in three days it'll be here and go, or a forest fire. This is almost like a slow-motion train wreck. What is he talking about? Line one, do you know? With the volcano lava in Hawaii? Oh, yeah. Kilauea just continues to erupt. Those fissures opening up in the ground. Congratulations, you've won our sound judgment game this morning. Thanks. What's your name, my friend? Chuck. Chuck, where are you all calling from? From Winter Garden. From Winter Garden. Have you ever been out to the Lake Ridge Winery? I have. It's great. It is great, and it's going to be a great food and wine tasting, jazz, the whole deal. Grape stomping. I mean, you got to love that, okay? So you're going on us, Chuck, and I'm going to put you... 
uh, on hold here so you and Stephanie can make the arrangements because you won our prize. Okay, my friend? Chuck, are you all right? All right, don't go away, buddy. I'm going to put you on hold right now. He's so excited talking about Steph- to, to Stephanie. He's just speechless. And here he goes. The two of them will have the conversation, and we have a winner. Big story. The United States Supreme Court yesterday green-lighted states to have legalized sports betting. Heretofore, only available in Nevada. New Jersey sued over this. Now the question is, for Florida, do we want legalized sports betting or not? I've got some strong feelings on this, but I'd like to know what you think, and you have one more opportunity to sound off on a story that we talked about in great depth during our 7 o'clock hour here. Do you want legalized sports betting for Florida? The state's going to have an opportunity, the people of Florida ultimately, to decide on that. Good thing, bad thing. Want it? Keep it out? What do you think? Important issue. 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. Standard message and data rate supply there. If you're a regular on the show, it may surprise you to learn that I don't have a problem with legalized sports betting being instituted here in the state of Florida. And I think ultimately it will happen here. It's going to happen quickly in a lot of other states. I think it'll take a little longer here in the state of Florida. I got into that a little bit earlier, but as to why that would be. However, um, I still am inalterably opposed to big-time casino gambling here, particularly in central Florida. I think it is fundamentally incompatible with our family-friendly tourist mecca and that it will wind up um, cannibalizing it. And, and, and you get a seedy element, you get a crime element that comes with casino gambling, etc. But if individuals who are now prohibited from betting on sporting events, you know, even though they do, to the tune of nearly $200 billion a year, I was reading, around this country, if they want to bet on games or whatever, they ought to be able to do it. It's their money that ultimately most of them are going to lose because that's the way gambling is set up, okay? Um, Keep in mind that when that happens, a lot of people are going to be throwing money into their gambling ventures, losing it, and no longer having the money to go shop in a store, to help make a business viable, to go eat at a restaurant, to keep them in business, etc., There could be some negative ripples through the Florida economy, but I don't have a problem with it because people should be able to decide what they want to do with their money. I just don't have a problem with legalized sports betting. I just don't, Yaffe. Plus, people do it anyway. I mean, people are doing it now. Yeah, it's not. It's not a big thing. We all know it. Whatever you know, let let um, let government let. let sports teams get a piece of the action, the whole thing. Okay? I mean, these fantasy sports leagues that are out there, you think they're not betting money on all that? Of course they are. Of course they are. Absolutely Come right. On. Yep. Hey, um, here's a tweet from the president. We were talking about this kidney procedure that uh, First Lady Melania Trump had, and, she, and this is what he writes this morning. Our great First Lady is doing really well. We'll be leaving the hospital in two or three days. Thank you so much for love and support. 
And then on the trade front with China, big-time negotiations going on. Trade negotiations, the president tweets this morning, are continuing with China. They have been making hundreds of billions of dollars a year from the U.S. for many years. Stay tuned. We'll see what happens there. Oh, a great job fair opportunity for you that we're a part of. This will be down in Winter Haven this Friday the 18th. Um, It's the Central Florida hiring event, okay? It's from 10 until 2 at the Nora Mayo Hall in Winter Haven in Polk County. Bring your resume, meet employers looking to hire in all kinds of fields, medical field, banking field, government, um, labor. Legoland is hiring now. That's all exciting as well. You can learn more about it. Uh, Look for more information if you're an employer that would like to participate in this great event coming up this Friday down in Winter Haven. Go online to our website, 1025WFLA.com slash hiring. Go to 1025WFLA.com slash hiring. And while you're on the website, check out Yaffe's um, highlights and review of everything we do here. You can tap into the podcast, listen to the entire three hours of Good Morning Orlando. It's all there for you on the website. That'll wrap it up for the Frontgate Realty Studio, the Tuesday edition of the show. Just visit laurahasthebuyers.com. For Deb, for Yaffe, for Steph, the Budman, thank you. See you tomorrow. God bless you and God bless America.